The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And the screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the truth. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when it goes down. Got a problem, tell me Stop. now. Only thing that's on my mind is who's around this town tonight. Hey, everyone. Welcome in to the Call Me Last of Us Sports Talk Radio Show. I'm in studio. This is Demry Lachey. Kwame Lasseter, he is currently out for this for this show. He won't. I don't think he'll be in studio today, but hopefully you can get in on the lines and call in. If not, you can call in at 888-346-9144 to join the show. Join me here live in studio. Today is Monday off a beautiful weekend out here in the Valley. Um, the weather weather's keeping up. It is getting a bit, bit chilly outside. You know, it's my first fall weather winter weather i guess you could say that i'm going through in the valley but it's not even looking like the winter time out here to me i mean it's still a high of 75 74 degrees say it's supposed to be about 69 but i'm really not used to that and it's 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 a bit warm to me still a lot of people have been going around saying that it's pretty chilly places that have been going in and out of especially this weekend going out with a couple of friends everyone's saying oh man it's a little cold i don't see it and <laughs> i'm used to being a bunch of snow right now around this time just tons of snow falling right now there is no snow out in the valley so it's really not the winter time to me i feel like it's still the fall season but back in the midwest and the east coast i know it's a big snowstorm that went through this past weekend and i began tons and tons of pictures and videos and from all my old friends and family stating do you miss this weather and i'm just like no i don't miss it at all i don't miss no cold winter snow cleaning off my car two hours an hour before i gotta go to work because you gotta deal with the traffic and the icy roads and the snow and then you got negative degree temperatures maybe low 10 11 degrees no i don't miss that at all i'm enjoying myself with no snow and sunshine every day along with that it was a lot of games yesterday played with snowy weather, some snow flurries here and there in the NFL yesterday. Uh, it's that time of season now. Now it's time to play through those cold temperature weathers. Well, along with that, it's you got to find your running game. you got to find you a tough defense. And it's started, time to start winning ball games through and, through and through that tough weather. Who can step up and really play? One team that stepped up and dominated and the weather was not a factor was the Green Bay Packers. How about those Packers right now? I think they're probably, I wouldn't say the best team in the NFC. Definitely not the best team in the NFL because you cannot knock what the Arizona Cardinals are doing with them knocking out the Detroit Lions, who Detroit Lions was sitting number two in the NFC, but now I think Green Bay has jumped them in the playoff standings, that is. And the Green Bay Packers, they took on a tough team in Philadelphia who was used to playing in cold weathers because it is pretty chilly up in Philly as well. But Green Bay hosted the Eagles, even though they had their back 
backup quarterback in Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez is the starter right now. He struggled yesterday. Green Bay got all over it. Made the best of their turnovers by scoring on an interception, on fumbles. I mean, it was just a complete embarrassing game for the Philadelphia Eagles. But due to the weather, like we were, like I was stating before, the weather doesn't change for the Green Bay Packers. They don't feel that. They played straight through it and threw up 53 points. And Aaron Rodgers is looking like the true key MVP right now. I say that because he has three touchdown strikes on the Sundays. And he has, what, that's through 20, 29 games at home. He has 29 interceptions, or he has 29 touchdowns, excuse me, and only three interceptions. That's incredible. He's putting on MVP-type numbers. This guy, they, they just went up and threw up 53 points. It was a laughable game for them. It was like them being at practice once again. And I was thinking, you know, this is going to be a tough game, tough NFC game. The Eagles, they're bouncing back. They're leading, and they're tied with the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC East. And I thought, you know, if they go on the road, this would be a big statement, especially the game that Mark Sanchez had the week before where he just came out and balled out. But let alone, I mean, that offense was pretty terrible for the for the Eagles. I don't know, Chip Kelly was pretty disappointed. And he really couldn't get the ball moving, even though they run the play every every 15 seconds, one or two plays. They just couldn't find that rhythm. Um, Green Bay applied a lot of pressure on Mark Sanchez to get him to try to move the ball quickly, and he just couldn't move the ball. And you got to get a lot of credit due to that Green Bay defense. And, you know, that offense, like I said before, is just sensational, led by Mr. Aaron Rodgers, throwing for 341 yards. It was 22 of 36, three touchdowns, and again, no interceptions. I mean, this guy's getting it done. Eddie Lacy had some few highlight plays. It's good to see that guy actually making some highlights because he's been on my fantasy. He's been letting me down a little bit. But yesterday he had a he had a pretty good game. He topped me off with 24 points, which pushed me to my victory. I guess I could say that I'm about to get in because my defense is is coming on the field tonight. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers defense against the Tennessee Titans offense, which is in a blur right now. They have Mettenberger starting. He's not going to do anything to that Steelers defense, so I'm not worried about my fantasy. I call it a win. I'm up by 30-plus points anyway. But, yeah, Eddie Lacy, good sight seeing him. Um, tough guy to bring down. It's the cold weather, and he picked up his game through the cold, through the snow. And these guys, they, they it just looked like they were just at practice, just throwing dart targets to one another. And where Aaron Rodgers just splitting up that defense, just knocking the holes down left and right. Uh, Cobb finally led them in receptions with 10 catches, 129 yards. But Jordy Nelson, once again, he's the big, big deep threat that Aaron Rodgers loved to get the ball to. With him only catching four balls, but he had 109, receive, 109 receiving yards and a touchdown, which was that 64-yard long bomb, which was incredible. It was a nice play from Aaron Rodgers. I think it was all about the throw on that one, but... Again, Jordy Nelson, he made a beautiful catch, tapped his feet in, got in that end zone, did what he was supposed to do. Now, with that, the Packers, they're, 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 they're pretty much they're coming for uh, the Arizona Cardinals who are sitting at number one, who the Cardinals did defeat the Detroit Lions. But I think Green Bay is probably the biggest threat to the Cardinals because they have a proficient passing game. If you blitz them, Aaron Rodgers is not scared to throw a check down to Randall Cobb, to Eddie Lacy. 
and he will find weapons. No, it, probably his deep third, Jordan Nelson, would probably not get open with the way Patrick Peterson is playing. But I think this brings their biggest challenge. Green Bay is now tied with Detroit in the NFC North at 7-3, and three, along with Philadelphia dropping to 7-3, and now they're tied with Dallas to be number one in their division as well. Playoff picture is starting to get a little little crowded, especially in the NFC. The AFC, I don't know who's real, who's not real, because the Indianapolis Colts last night got stumped on pretty bad. To be a top four team, to be a division leading team, you don't you shouldn't get embarrassed by twenty plus points, especially especially at the end of a ball game. Although New England is the hottest team in the AFC right now, with them beating Denver and Indianapolis, Cincinnati, they've been having some great wins these last few weeks. Not only have they been Winning these games just uh, close, or they, they've been blowing these guys out. They've been playing great football. Their defense has stepped up, and I'm surprised by it with it being New England. I mean, Tom Brady, you know him, Bill Belichick, they'll find a way to get it done. And not only do they have to depend now on Tom Brady oh so much, but they had a little running back, a guy who I never heard of before. Yesterday, last night's game, last night's Sunday night football game. But they found a running back, this guy named Jonas Gray. I mean, this guy was incredible. He had 199 yards off 38 rushes and four touchdowns. Josh McDaniel in that offensive, his, he's, him being, with him being offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots, I mean, he, he just stuck with the running game. You know, you see a lot of coaches nowadays want to, you know, test their passing game, want to get back and like, hey, we got to give our superstar quarterback, or if they have one, they want to get him some throws in so he can get his stats up, make himself feel good, make him come back to the sideline and say, hey, you know what, I, I have, I'm not throwing the ball that much, a la Tony Romo, the Marco Murray situation in Dallas. You know, Tony Romo's not getting as much throws, so they're trying to take carries away from DeMarco Murray, which shows in them losing ball games more. Or than they had started off with, but New England they they don't do that. If they have if they see their running game is dominating the ball game, they have no problem with doing that. They had two hundred and forty four rushing yards compared to Indiana Indianapolis's nineteen rushing yards. They held the ball in possession thirty four plus minutes to just Indianapolis's twenty five minutes. So Andrew Luck. Really didn't have the ball in that many possessions, especially in the second half, because New England was just running the ball straight down the Colts' throat. That defensive front for the Indianapolis, I, I would hate to be in their film room when it comes to watching film either today or tomorrow, whenever. I, hopefully they watch film after last night. I wouldn't care. if they, I know the game ended late for them, but at the same time, I mean, Jesus Christ, they got ran through by a guy, Jonas Gray. I mean, a guy we never heard of, but... Tip my hat off to this kid. I mean, he made the best of his situation for, for I guess you could say, running for 200, 200 yards on 38 carries and four touchdowns. That's just dominant football right there. I mean, Tom Brady pretty much had the night off, even though he did throw for 19 of 30. He got 30 passes in, 257, but he threw two interceptions early. And with that happening, they was like, you know what? We don't need to throw the ball as much. We can get some play-action plays to get Gronk the ball, who Gronk had a tremendous play at the end of the game to pretty much cemented the victory and an outstanding win when he just dominated the Colts' secondary. I mean, can't nobody tackle this guy. I don't think any secondary in the NFL could tackle this guy when he's running full speed off a catch. But he just pretty much embarrassed 
the Indianapolis Colts on that catch. Not even on that. On Jonas's great fourth touchdown run, I I caught the game second half, late late third quarter. So I, I really didn't see the damage done just yet. But just the way that Gronk was playing in that fourth quarter kind of cemented of okay, I see this is this is probably where the game went. This is probably how it went. The way that New England was just smacking the Colts defensive front in the front in the line. Not only that, it was getting to the second level, getting to those linebackers, pushing them back, and the secondary wanted no parts of tackling Jonas Gray in the way that Gronkowski was blocking and moving the Colts players. I mean, he drove another guy all the way into the NBC camera set off the field. He got flagged for it, which I don't understand it. I mean, if, they, if a guy is football, if a guy gets dominated, I was always taught to make sure you dominate him all the way to the sideline, make him go sit in the stands and tell me he might not want to come back in this game. And that's pretty much what Gronk did when he dominated, I don't even know, the kid's name who was the secondary for the Colts. But he he mushed the guy all the way into the camera. I mean, that's football right there. That's what you want out of your tight end. That's what you want out of your alignment. But you get that from your tight end and your superstar tight end who says, you know what, I don't have to catch eight to nine, ten passes a game. I can go out here. I can make things happen with me blocking. And once I get that catch, I can make something else happen. And Tom Brady just sits back and just he, – he can, he can still play at an elite level even after turning over the ball two times in the first half. He can still depend on Gronkowski and his running game once – Running the game. I mean, come on. They had 45 carries, had 244 rushing yards. They have 5.4 yards as a team on an average. Jonas Gray, who led them with 199 rushing yards, he averaged 5.2 yards a carry. So every two carries, that was the first down. Why would you even need to pass the ball? Who cares? You already turned the ball over once. He said, heck, Josh McDaniels said, heck, forget it. We're just going to run the football. We're going to end this game. We're going to punch these guys in the mouth. And that's football. Not only that, the Indianapolis Colts, they have a lot of scrambling to do. Also to give props to is Darrell Revis. He pretty much shut down Reggie Wayne. He couldn't, Andrew Luck couldn't get comfortable finding him. Not only that, Darrell Revis also was on T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton was nowhere to be found. I mean, I would think T.Y. Hilton is the legit number one receiver because he's a deep threat. He's a guy that you cannot like get free, get open. Not only that, he he can catch balls that are thrown, you know, under 10 yards out in the flats and can make things happen with his speed. But this guy only had three catches, 24 yards. And then have your number one receiver like that get shut down, I mean, that's that's pretty bad for Andrew Luck. Not only that, they lost their starting tight end, Dwayne Allen. Once again, he's down with injuries. He's been injured these last few seasons. But Andrew Luck was looking at him pretty much the whole season as an outlet, and he couldn't find him. Not only that, because he got injured, but he just couldn't find no one else. Cody Fleener had a had a great game. He stepped up, had seven catches, 144 yards as a tight end, but no touchdowns. They couldn't score in the red zone. Besides Hakeem Nicks catching that one pass, but he only had two catches, 15 for 15 yards. I mean, that secondary for New England was just incredible last night. McCourty had a great game for the secondary, and along with Darrell Reeves. I mean, every every time he guarded someone, he just shut it. He just shut that whole side of the field down. Andrew Luck really didn't want to look his way. He did. He tried to test him a couple times. He threw an interception with McCourty picking it off. But, I mean, Andrew Luck just couldn't get in no rhythm, and it's too much on his shoulders right now. Indianapolis have a lot to do. They have a lot to think about, especially in that backfield. At one point where the Colts had to just pull off a trick play, throwing a touchdown pass 
to their offensive lineman, Casanzo. That shows you that the Colts were really struggling to find a way to get in the end zone. I mean, to run up a trick play, to have your offensive lineman in as a tight end. And, yeah, the New England Patriots, they get told that. But the plays and plays before, where Amon Bradshaw, he could not find the end zone. Trent Richardson definitely could not find the end zone. Definitely can't even find the line, the yard of scrimmage. He stays in the backfield. He lives in the backfield. He had seven carries for zero yards last night. Are you kidding me? That's that's a lot to put up on Andrew Luck in that offense. I know Pep Hamilton is probably kicking himself in the stomach right now and is looking at Brian at Grigsman, the GM for the Colts, and like, why did we pick up this guy? Or hey, I know they're just hating the fact that Trent Richardson is the starter. They're paying this guy so much. But not only that, I mean, he's just not getting the job done. I think it should be they should move on from this guy. They should move on from Ma Bradshaw. He got injured once again. I mean, he's just an injury prone running back. Ma Bradshaw is very good in a two back system because he wouldn't have to get so many touches. But with Trent Richardson not performing the way that the Colts want him to perform, Ma Bradshaw has to take more hits. He has to get in there. I mean, he's always injured. He gets injured every year. Ma Bradshaw, you can't depend on that. Not only that, you get smacked in the mouth on the goal line. You can't even get the ball in in, two, in less than two yards you're dealing with. Andrew Luck led the Colts in rushing with three carries, 15 yards. 15 yards is not going to get – a total of team total of 19 yards on 17 carries is not going to get anyone any victories. You deserve to get blown out. Are the Colts for real? I don't think so. This team is they, – they put too much on Andrew Luck, and a lot of people try to say Andrew Luck put too much on himself. That can't be. He has two, well, supposed to be two great talented running backs in the NFL. These guys are not getting the job done. They're not fishing out for any other running backs as well. No other running backs are stepping up. They do have Daniel Boone Heron as a third stringer, but, I mean, he you're not going to get too much production out of him as well. They, just, they have to find a running game. I think you have to go back to the drawing boards, find different ways, play action, maybe to get T.Y. Hilton on some jet sweeps, anything to rush the football, throw some bubble routes. I don't know. They have to find a way to get defenses not just locked on Andrew Luck passing the ball. You got to find ways to run the football because you would get embarrassed each and every game like New England does because every team is not Jacksonville, Houston, and Tennessee. I'm sorry, Indianapolis. You just have to pick up your game. You have to pick up, and it starts with the rushing game. You're putting too much on Andrew Luck. Now we're going to take a quick break after we come back. We'll talk more NFL, some NCAA football as well, some NBA News that came over the weekend as well, and College Hoops jumped off this past weekend. We'll be right back. We're taking a quick break. Listen to Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk Show. We'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. 
Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Hey, welcome back. To the Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk Show. I am in studio. This is Demery Lachey. Kwame, he is out of studio. I know this weekend he went to go visit uh, back to his home state, to Virginia. Went to go visit family and friends, and I thought that was a great move for him. He hasn't been back there in so long. He was telling me, you know, off off um, off the mic that, you know, he's just, he, he ain't been back in a long time. So it was a great deal to see him actually going back, take his family out there and Going back to home, there's no place like home, so he know he can always go home and enjoy himself. And I think he needed that, and so it looks like he probably still stuck back in Virginia. Hopefully, he can make his way back out here to the valley sometime soon, because I know that weather, that snow is really, it's really not loving that right now. Moving on, other NFL news tonight: there is a game between the Tennessee Titans and Phil and uh, sorry, in the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the Pittsburgh Steelers are going into Tennessee, going being six and four and two and three on the road. And the Steelers now they have to prove and show you know who they really are. They're around. They're almost. They're six and four. Standing at six and four, you're almost at that five hundred team. You could be in the playoffs. You could be out depending on your next few weeks and how your team goes. I mean, it's times where Ben Roethlisberger has been looking like the best quarterback in the NFL. Today and then there's days where he just you he's he's looking like Cam Newton. I mean he's just not even just a thought and you know just just a thought back in his mind like oh oh yeah there's also Ben Roethlisberger. So this game he's they're sitting at number nine right now in the playoffs or in the playoff standings in the AFC at being at six and four tied with Baltimore who's also in their division. I think if they get this win tonight on the road, this will pretty much submit them into the playoff um, hunt and even can catch divisional champion in Cincinnati because I don't think Cleveland's real as well after Cleveland taking a tremendous, huge loss last yesterday. And I was surprised by that. They just couldn't get the ball in and had turnovers. Brian Hoyer turned the ball over against Houston yesterday. But Pittsburgh has a chance to really jump in and jump to first place. I think they are the best team. The Steelers are the best team. In that division with the Browns and Cincinnati, but it's going to be a dogfight, and one of those teams have to step up and really dominate. And I think the Steelers are that team from week in and week out of this crazy NFL season thus far. I think it's been one of the craziest seasons in, in quite some time. But I think Pittsburgh is that number one team. I think they are that dominant team in the AFC North. 
they they already beat Cleveland. They're one on one with Cleveland, and they beat Cincinnati as well and beat Baltimore. All they have to do is just win these other games outside their division, make it make a victory stand out. Make make tonight's victory stand out. Make this a statement game for your division saying, hey, we're not going anywhere either. I know Cincinnati, you guys won. And also Cleveland, you've been winning, but you took a tough loss yesterday to Houston. But don't forget about us. We are the number one divisional team, and I think they, they need to prove it. Tonight's a great way to prove it against a lackluster Tennessee team. It's not even considered a trap game. I mean, Tennessee, they have Mettenberger starting, but I think Pittsburgh, for them to be in that upper echelon NFL team that they are, that they're known to be, it starts tonight, and you just got to keep winning and win on out because you have the talent, you have the team to do it. Antonio Brown, I think, is top five wide receivers in the NFL, hands down. I mean, Antonio Brown, I mean, to be a former six-round draft pick, not even a thought to many NFL teams on their draft boards, but I think Antonio Brown. I mean, he's 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 dominate. He he could dominate. I don't think any defensive back in the NFL. Maybe Patrick Peterson, Richard Sherman. I don't think any guy Darrell Revis, besides your top echelon guys. And I think he would even give them works um, on a man to man if they were to go man to man with Antonio Brown. I think he's the hardest receiver to guard man to man besides the Calvin Johnson because his obvious six five two thirty pound frame I mean you that's that's pretty hard to guard but Patrick Peterson did as much as he could and he pretty much excelled with it yesterday and winning that battle but a guy like Antonio Brown who's all about his quickness and has great hands and can get open you know on one-on-one coverage who Ben Roethlisberger can depend on in day in and day out I think he's very hard to guard and I think no DB can actually guard this man one-on-one I mean his routes are so crisp he runs it as true depth. I mean, he gets back to the ball, great hands, and he has the speed to take off when he when needed to. He has the speed to beat you deep, to jump over on top of a cover three or split the middle of a cover two, split the two safeties right down the middle. I mean, he has that that edge that most receivers do not have, you know, in the NFL, even, even between some of these top guys who are supposed to be the top wide receivers. The day of the number one receivers have been the number one receiver on your team I think those days are gone but I think Antonio Brown is has that edge on his team because there's not a lot of passing threats for Ben Roethlisberger to throw to I mean he's working in with a lot of guys like Martavius Bryant a lot of guys you know who are good and play their roles well and use their size advantage but Antonio Brown I mean he just does it all for the Pittsburgh Steelers and especially in the passing game and I think if you are a huge receiver, the wide receiver fan, if you love the game of football, passing and catching, I advise everyone to tune in and just watch Antonio Brown. Watch him run the way he runs his routes, the way he gets open, and he, the way he likes to have fun. I mean, you see that guy on the field. I've never seen so many guys. I've never seen so many people smiling out on the football field, no, not as much as Antonio Brown especially on a Sunday or Monday night, whenever it is. You catch this guy, I mean, it's in the cold weather and hot weather, this guy's always smiling on the field, and he dominates, and he does the things that he needs to do for his team to win. 
and I just watch him tonight. I'm telling you, just tune in, watch Antonio Brown. This guy, he, he's incredible, and I think he's gonna he's gonna have a huge game tonight. Uh, in going and visiting the Tennessee Titans, I just don't see it. I just don't see anyone trying keep, can guard him. I mean, I, even if he goes zone man, whatever. Antonio Brown, he's he's gonna show you tonight that he is. A top five wide receiver. Just watch the way he plays the game. He does it so quietly and with a smile on his face. Can't ask for more. Biggest game from this past Sunday in the NFL between the Detroit Lions who visited the Arizona Cardinals out here at Phoenix University Phoenix Stadium out in Glendale, Arizona. And the Cardinals came out hot. They were up 14-0. They jumped out to a hot lead. Detroit started to move the ball more Game became about 14-6 at halftime. Then after halftime, there was no more game. There was It, it was nothing to watch offensively. Um, the Cardinals defense just put in a whole shutout. I think it was a shutout throughout the whole game. I mean, two field goals, that's pretty good. That's pretty good football, holding a team like Detroit out the end zone who has multiple scoring threats on their offense with Reggie Bush and Calvin Johnson and Brian Pettigrew, Golden Tate. I mean, these guys – the Cardinals did a sensational job once again. A lot of credit to Bruce Arians, Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, these guys are the real deal. And they did it once again with their backup quarterback and Drew Stan stepping in for Carson Palmer, who went down with the ACL, is down for the season. But this guy steps up again, comes out hot, throws two touchdown passes to Michael Floyd. Who once again, I mean, this guy, he catches everything in the red zone. I remember his days. I remember watching him days back in Notre Dame. Back when I was in high school, I used to watch Notre Dame football games. And Michael Floyd was just dominating the red zone. And he's still doing it today in the NFL. Anytime this guy's in the red zone, he does not drop passes. From Jimmy Clausen to Carson Palmer to Drew Stanton, Michael Floyd makes plays in the red zone when you need it, when it most counts. And he, he just he's just a playmaker. Anytime he can have opportunity to catch the ball 20 yards in, he's going to make the play. And that's why I think the Arizona Cardinals, they, they need. Because I think Larry Fitzgerald, he lost the, lost a few quick steps here and there on, on route plays. Plus, he had a little knee injury throughout the game. But he came back and played, played through it. But a guy like Michael Floyd in the red zone, I mean, he's, he's just automatic. And Drew Stanton, he, he can depend on guys like that. Who can get the plays done? Who can once the ball's thrown to their side, you can that's you can depend on that guy to make the play. And that's what I love about this Cardinals offense. You got guys who can make the plays when to put it on. John Brown led the team, led Arizona in catches with five catches, sixty nine yards. Didn't find the end zone this time, but Drew Stanton, I mean, he's making John Brown look amazing. I mean you can tell it's one of his favorite receivers to throw to. I mean, the little guy is so quick; he gets open, and he does he does what he he does what he does. You know, he just gets open and catches great passes. He's he's accountable. You can you can count on John Brown, even though he's a rookie out of Pittsburgh State, a Division two school. I mean, this guy looks like he's been in the NFL for like three four years. You get to like he just has that mindset, and he can dominate a ball game. On the opposite side of the ball, I was talking about Detroit's offense earlier. And this guy, Calvin Johnson, I mean, can we say, yeah, he pretty much got shut down. He was targeted 12 times for Matt Stafford, which he was credited 12 targets, which you know Matt Stafford probably looked at his way about 17, 18 times off of his 30 dropbacks from the game. He was only 
cited for 12 targets, but he only made five catches for 59 yards due to the great defense of Patrick Peterson, who followed this man all Sunday afternoon, followed him all throughout the field, off the field. I mean, these guys are great fans. They're great friends off the field. Um, you could tell by Calvin Johnson giving Patrick Peterson credit after the game, telling him, you know, keep being great. Keep keep doing you. Forget, yeah, you got the money, but just play through that. Don't 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 put that much pressure on you. And I think Patrick Peterson, you know, he that, that's a good thing to hear for him. I think that game where he took that concussion, when he came back jokingly just saying, you know, that I got to knock some sense into me. I think he really did need to take, you know, just a shot, just a little something to get him back to his elite level and make him show him like, hey, you're better than this. You're better than being lackadaisical, being, being lazy on the, your defensive stance and not finishing plays. And Patrick Peterson has changed his game tremendously to another level in these past few games. Past, what, three, four weeks. This guy has just dominated the number one receiver, no matter what team they're playing, no matter who's on the opposite end of the, uh, no matter who's on the opposite end of the team that they're playing against. I mean, Patrick Peterson has been doing it all every time he steps on the field, and that's exactly what you need from a captain like that, a leader, and your best player on your defense, your best athlete, I should say, because this whole defense. I mean, you don't know who's the best player. Everybody. Steps out their game. Antonio Cromartie shut down Golden Tate. Golden Tate only finished the game with two catches, 41 yards. And I think he was leading Detroit in receiving yards and was top five in the NFL going into this game. And Cromartie did his thing. He shut down Golden Tate. Defense created and created turnovers for Matt Stafford. And Stafford couldn't get in the rhythm. He couldn't find Calvin Johnson. He was sacked four times with that blitzing defense that Todd Bowles does a great job of. He couldn't find any rhythm going 18 for 30. 18 for 30. The only thing he could do is just do little dump passes. He couldn't find anything deep. And he finished the game with 183 yards for Matt Stafford. And that's unheard of, especially having on a guy like Calvin Johnson. I mean, you got Calvin Johnson on the field. That's guaranteed 200 yards just to that side of the field. But to be held to 183 yards, 18 for 30, Calvin Johnson only five catches, 59 yards. Jeremiah Bell, he had a pretty good game on on the field, on the on the ground with 14 carries, 85 yards. But you can tell Detroit wanted to pass the ball more. Jim Caldwell, he 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 had he wanted to establish that passing game. You're down 14-6 from halftime. You got to find ways to start moving the ball downfield, and you can't do it on the ground because you're going to run the clock out. And you don't want to depend on your run too much against Arizona as well. Because let me remind you, they are the number one rushing defense in NFL. So you can't depend on your running game not too far. You got to go with your passing and. You know, Arizona, it's weird how they get, how their passing defense get treated, how they get ranked, because they they don't allow touchdowns. Yeah, they can, yeah, you can get as many yards as you want from 20 yards to 20 yards, but inside those 20 yards, inside that red zone, inside 25 yards, I guess you can even say, you're not going to get points. You're not scoring points. And if they can get you on a three and outs before that, good luck, because Arizona, they're going to stick to running the football. They're going to stick. To short passing games and hopefully find something deep or that offense where they can control the clock. They can control the game by not even running the ball that much. They don't have to run the ball that well. Andre Ellington had 19 carries, 42 yards for Arizona. He only averaged 2.2 yards a carry. That's not going to get, but they were efficient. They stuck to the run play. Yeah, we're only going to get about two yards a carry out of this guy, but he touched the ball 19 times. And therefore, that's just showing you how. 
efficient and how you can stick to your running game, yeah, it might not get you the job done that Sunday. Not necessarily just that, but it, it can impact the game. It can impact Drew Stanton feeling way more comfortable in the pocket. And with this being the game of the week, I mean, Arizona pretty much smacked Detroit in the mouth, smacked that offense especially. And I think, you know, my hat goes off to Patrick Peterson. Um, he was just incredible. Watching him yesterday guard a guy like Calvin Johnson. And, you know, these guys, they've been going at it the last couple of seasons, and they they love competing against one another. But with Patrick Peterson getting the upper hand this time, I mean, it just shows that this guy is really focused. He's laser focused. Not only that, Tony Cromartie, he's still been doing his thing. He's still been getting better in the top bowl system with him being his first year. And he looked incredible as well. Especially with, when you get, when you get, when you have a team where your starting quarterback goes down and a lot of everybody's trying to, you know, jump on the bandwagon of, oh, I don't know if this team's actually for real. Oh, um, Detroit, they've been winning games lately. They're going into, Glendale and with the Cardinals not having Carson Palmer, Detroit actually has a chance to win. But no, the Cardinals they don't win. They they don't lose at home. They all they do they all they keep doing is winning at home. They're six and zero. They're undefeated at home. You can't you can't beat these guys in that University of Phoenix Stadium. You just cannot. And not only that, the pressures of the playoffs is starting to pick up because Seattle. It's, they they have been winning the games the last few weekends with them in San Francisco. St. Louis even winning games in that division with them stomping on Denver. And I don't know what is going on with Peyton Manning and Denver Broncos. I remember a couple of weeks ago, we were me and Kwame both had stated, you know, Denver Denver Broncos, it's, it's automatic. They're in the playoffs. They're going to go to the playoffs. They're going to go to the Super Bowl. It's automatic. This team is unstoppable. They look amazing. Um. Let's get back to the present now where Denver, I don't know what is going on with them and what Peyton Manning is going through. I know they had some tough injuries this past Sunday or yesterday going against St. Louis, but St. Louis is a trap game, point blank period. They have one of the best rushing, pass rushing defenses in their front line. And I think they're obviously top five, top three in the NFL with their pass rush defense. These guys led by Quinn on the defensive line. I mean, they just cause havoc for quarterbacks in the NFL. And they did it for Peyton Manning. That's how you beat Peyton Manning, by getting a lot and tons and tons of pressure on Peyton Manning. And he turned the ball over several times, and it just didn't look like the Broncos, that how they usually do. They're supposed to have so many of these passing weapons. They, if one or two guys do go down, they have about three or four that they can pin on as well. Not only that, they had to establish a running game, which they couldn't. But you got... Going back to guys and and uh, the Cardinals, you know, being chased by the Seattle Seahawks now and the 49ers. Seattle took a tough loss to Kansas City, who Kansas City, they will be coming into Phoenix here in a couple weeks. But you got the pressure, you know, your starting quarterback goes down and you have Seattle coming for you, who's sitting at 6-4 and four now. And you have San Francisco also at 6-4 and four now. These Both of these two teams are coming. Not only that, Arizona has to travel to Seattle next week, next Sunday, which I think, once again, it's going to be another game of the week type situation for Arizona and Seattle. I mean, everyone has been waiting to see this game from day one. You have Marshawn Lynch, who's been incredible in the running game all season, going against this tough rushing, pat, this tough rushing defense of Arizona Cardinals and the blitz-happy Todd Bowles, Bruce Arians, Cardinals defense. 
it's going to be a great game. It's going to be in front of played in front of the. Um, it's going to be played in front of the twelve out there in Seattle. The twelfth man, their stadium will be rocking. It's going to be the game of the week once again for Bruce Arians and the Cardinals to see if they can get it together and top off another victory. If not, we're going to see what the real Seattle Seattle Seahawks are made of. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with our last segment. You listen to the Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk Show. We'll be right back. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. It's time to let the ladies do some sports talking around here. The sports girls take over the Voice America Sports Channel every Monday for The Inside Score. Beth Silverberg, Chin Chin Ong, and Stacey DeBerry are here to showcase the athletes, the coaches, and the foundations that change lives. In addition, we'll have a ton of regular features and a featured guest sports girl every week. You'll hear the stories you need to hear from the people that make the difference. The Inside Score is heard every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern or Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Hey, welcome back to the last segment of the Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk Show. We are, I am in studio live. This is Demi Lachey sitting in for Kwame, who was out, who's back in Virginia right now, trying to catch his flight back out here to the Phoenix area. Uh, too late to call in on the show now, but but you can call in tomorrow at 888-346-9144. You can call in tomorrow, call in on the show, join us for our usually our Taco Tuesday segment, our Tuesday shows. Kwame should be back in studio as well, so I can give him havoc about sports and going back and forth for one another. But on my way into the studio today, I ran across... Um, I was listening to some talk radio shows and, you know, just going through my phone looking at some of the updates. And I look across and I seen this guy, this guy named Brian Mitchell, former running back for the Washington Redskins. And him, his comments were being made after the Redskins played on a radio show out there in Washington, D.C. about the Redskins, about how embarrassed he was with the Redskins' loss on Sunday, how embarrassed he is about pretty much uh, the whole organization, the whole defense, offense, everything about the Redskins, their management, their coaching. I mean, this guy was throwing complete shots because they took a tremendous loss at home to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 27-7. I mean, they got dominated the second half. They got shut out. The Redskins got shut out. They were down 13-7 at halftime. And then in the second half, Buccaneers – Scored twice, once in third quarter, once in the fourth quarter. 
And that was ball game after that. It was a blowout at home for the Redskins, with them being two and three now at home and three and seven overall. RG three is taking a lot of heat, and not only from his teammates, not only from the media, but also former players, as in Brian Mitchell as well. And Brian Mitchell, I mean, this guy was straight just throwing shots towards uh, RG three. You know, he, he he said a lot of things like quote. Brian Mitchell said it in quote, I see a lot of players blaming media and everybody else and running around. If they won the damn Super Bowl somewhere, this team has sucked over the last few years, okay? As a former player, I'm embarrassed to watch this junk, end of quote. That is a straight shot towards RG3, and we all know it. He's the only one who's been talking in front of the media, talking like this guy has has won the Super Bowl and getting so much attention, so much heat. That's not his fault. He's a quarterback. He was number two pick. That's what comes with the – I mean, that just comes with the prize. That comes with being a number over, number two overall draft pick. comes with being a former Heisman Trophy winner. That I mean, that comes with the job, being in front of the media. You can't knock him on that. But he's not really blaming the media. He's not blaming no one else. But I guess if with being around that Washington, D.C., the Washington Redskins organization, a lot of people see that RG3 is starting to blame not only the players inside the locker room, but the media as well. And he's not putting no heat upon himself. I have seen some of the interviews that RG3 has went through this season. No, he's not even talking about himself. He's talking about the team. He's talking about the coaching. I mean, he's bringing, like, he, he's, he's talking so much as if, like, this guy has won several playoff games or whatnot. His last nine starts, he has gone one one and eight, and the only victory came is because RG three got hurt in the first quarter, which their third string backup quarterback McCoy came in and won the game for. No, I'm sorry, that was yeah. McCoy came in and won the game. That RG three had started, went down with an injury, and McCoy and Cousins have been saving the Washington Redskins and what RG three has not performed well. I mean, he's, they're, they're pretty much saving RG3's career, showing that, you know, that this is a good team with either McCoy starting or Kirk Cousins starting. It shows that, you know, the Redskins Redskins have a great team. They just cannot find a valuable quarterback right now. RG3, he is not valuable. Ever since he got injured, his injuries from his rookie season through his knee injuries and him trying to play through it, that's not a good deal when you try to play through tough injuries because you're just going to make that injury worse and worse, and it's going to kill your performance. Not only that, you have you're the face of the franchise, you're the face of the team. That puts a lot of pressure on you to go on. T- you have to talk to the media, you have to go in and say the right things, say what to say and what to not to say. But this guy will go in and start blaming coaches. He will start blaming um, some of the players around him, playbook selection, who should be where. I mean, there's no excuse. You have Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon, some of the two elite receivers in the NFL. I mean, those two guys right there, I mean, you can argue with those being the two best threats that you will want on your team. I know plenty of teams will love to have them. Jacksonville, Houston, plenty of teams will love to have those two wide receivers. And RG3 can't even make the best of it. And Brian Mitchell, I mean, he pretty much called him out. He still, on quote, he still said, too many times we sit there, and we kiss the teams, you know what, because we, as a burgundy and gold person wearing it, what have you got to start doing is make the team understand you mean business, end quote. And that's all what the 
Washington Redskins have been displaying. I mean, it was talked about last week, or the last couple of weeks. RG3, you know, has been giving interviews in the locker room. The team is starting to rah, rah, rah around them and being loud. Once this guy is trying to make, uh, trying to get talked to the media, doing interviews, and he had to, he has to go outside the locker room and they cheer loudly even more once he goes out the locker room and does their interviews with the media. I think RG3 is all talk. I mean, obviously, because it's starting to show it on the field with him going 23 or 32 for only 207 yards passing and only one touchdown performance against the Buccaneers who have lost five straight games. They came off five straight losses. But then they go into Washington and just dominate the game. Washington couldn't move the ball on offense. I mean, Alfred Morris is doing all he can. He had 20 rushes, 96 yards. But you're not moving the ball over into the red zone. You're not putting any pressure upon that Buccaneers defense all Sunday. And that has a lot to do with your quarterback play. Point blank period. It has tons to do with the quarterback play. And RG3, he's not about business. He just wants to go on TV and talk and doing things that he thinks he's supposed to do as if he won the Super Bowl, like Brian Mitchell has said. I agree with every word that Brian Mitchell is coming out with. RG3, stop talking like you've been out here, like you've been the best winner of all time. When your team is struggling, when you're the quarterback, you have to find what's going on in there your locker room inside we'll find out figure out what's going on inside fix that problem first then go out and talk to the media then go out and talk elsewhere I mean this guy he's you don't even know what Sunday's RG3 is even going to be on the field or whatnot. I mean this guy got sacked six times throw two interceptions anywhere else I mean this guy like he, he wouldn't be starting the next next Sunday it's just that Washington has put so much on RG3, he has sucked in the GMs and the owner of Washington so much around his play when this guy can't even perform. And the head coach came out and said on statement after the game, he said it felt like a, the first game of the preseason. That's another shot towards RG3 because he hasn't been out all season, so of course he's not going to look like uh, a week 11 form. Of course, with this guy bouncing in and out of practice, not playing on Sundays. Yeah, so he's going to give you a week one performance of a preseason. That's what you get when you throw him back in. Why not stick out with McCoy, see how far you can get with him, even throw Kirk Cousins back in there, see what you get from him. Because RG3 is sure, sure for sure is not getting it done. I don't know if it's health issues. I don't know if he's scared, if he's nervous, if the pressure is too much for him. Obviously, you got former players who are very angry about the way RG3 is playing, and that's starting to get embarrassing. Brian Mitchell is speaking... Not only for himself, but he's speaking of the crowd, the the fans in Washington area, around that area. He's speaking for those guys. I guess he's saying things that a lot of people in the locker room can't say, but he's saying it for them. Obviously, you know he's been, you know Brian Mitchell been around that locker room. You know guys coming around him, start talking to him, asking questions about RG three. I think RG three he has the worst leadership as a starting quarterback in the NFL right now. Even lesser than Cam Newton, how disappointing he's been all season. But, I mean, RG3, he's definitely the worst out of all quarterbacks in the NFL as a, as a leadership standpoint. I mean, he has no control of his team, his offense. Foreign players don't even like him in there, obviously, with Brian Mitchell speaking on it. And I think the city of Washington, the fans of Washington Redskins are pretty much starting to get done with the RG3 era, and they're ready to move on. Mark my words, they're gonna, they're, they're gonna, the Redskins fans are gonna start coming out even more and more and downgrading RG3. I think this era is done and they're ready to move on. 
because you can get a backup quarterback who come in there and put on a performance like RG3 has. Kirk Cousins would have done the same thing. So I think it's time that RG3 era has it, – it, you can't sign that guy back. You got to move on from him. Moving on, uh, other games that happened this weekend. There's big games on Saturday between the number one team in the country in Mississippi State traveling to the number one talked-about team for the past decade, the Alabama Crimson Tide, and Alabama sticking it out and proving that they are the best team in the SEC West in beating the Mississippi State Bulldogs at home. And Dak Prescott did not perform the Heisman way that everyone has talked up for him to be. And he pretty much struggled. He couldn't find any rhythm going 27 for 48 passing. He only threw for two touchdowns but had three interceptions. He did run the ball well, which he's definitely known for 22 carries, 82 yards. He was doing all he could, but they just couldn't get the job done. Too much Alabama, too much of that Alabama offense. Blake Sims, once again, he's a game manager. And he managed Alabama's offense oh so well. Going 19 for 31, 211 yards and a touchdown. But he doesn't turn the ball over. He had no interceptions thrown. T.J. Yeldon led the Alabama Crimson Tide in rushing. Good to see him back on the field. He only had a limited 16 carries, 16 touches. Scored, on, scored a touchdown on one of those carries. Well, he finished the game with 72 rushing yards along with big Derrick Henry, who also had a touchdown as well, who had 11 carries, 36 yards. But Blake Sims... He's he's a he's a good managing quarterback. He reminds me of Andy Dalton a little bit, even though Andy Dalton's number in college were incredible at TCU and throwing that ball around there. But Blake Sims kind of reminds me of the Andy Dalton, maybe a little bit more athletic because he used to play running back. Blake Sims did, and I think Andy Dalton probably has the better arm accuracy, I guess you could say. But he, he manages the game like an Andy Dalton. And Amari Cooper, I mean, he had a sensational game again. Eight catches, 88 yards. And Mississippi State, they were, they were in the game so so long, but they just couldn't get past it, get past Alabama. I think they put themselves in a hole being down 19-3 at halftime so much. And then Dak Prescott tried to do all he could in the fourth quarter, tried to make that last-second comeback, but it was just too late, too much too late. And they ran out of time. And now Mississippi State, has they're going to drop in the rankings. They're going to drop in the standings. I don't think the playoff standings that came out just yet this this morning out here in Phoenix, Arizona. But when they do come out, I don't see Mississippi State dropping no longer, no no lower than probably number four. They're still going to be in the top four, and they're not going to be out. I think you bump up Florida State. Hopefully Florida State can finally jump up to the number one spot. They keep getting, I mean, just dismantled and unre- just not getting respected, not getting respect that they should. I mean, this, this team hasn't lost a game in two two long seasons. Yeah, there's been some games where they have itched and scratched their way out of. That's just the way Florida State plays. That's how they played the national championship game as well against Auburn. But no one said anything about them beating the SEC team. I mean, this is just how the way Florida State plays. James Winston comes out there in the first half. He struggles. He's not looking so proficient that he comes out in the second half and looking like an all-time pro and manages the game and gets the job done. He was, In his game against Miami, I thought Florida State was going to take a tough loss. I mean, they were down going into the fourth quarter, 
And I was like, oh, yeah, this, this game's pretty much over. But then once again, James Winston comes through and saves the day. Yeah, this guy takes a lot of credit off the field. But on the field, he gets the job done. Hopefully they can finally go back up to a number one and have Oregon at number two and look out for the Arizona State Sun Devils. I mean, being number six and taking that tough loss to Oregon State, I thought Arizona State had this game won. But they, I think Arizona State still have the tough push to finish out. They can, if they beat, they go out and beat U of A and then finish up and hopefully maybe beat Oregon at Oregon for the Pac-12 championship, they can easily jump back in there as well, depending on how far they drop. And unfortunately, we are out of time, but we will be back tomorrow live. Hopefully, Kwame, he will be in studio with me. Thank you for tuning in. This is Demry Lachey. I'm signing out, and thank you for listening to Kwame Laster Sports Talk Show. We'll see you tomorrow. for tuning in this week. Join us every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. <laughs>